Well, good morning. I want to add my welcome to David's. Um, it is a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to start this series with you. I, uh, I love the idea behind the series, and I, I love what uh, we have planned, and I'm thankful to be here today. So here we are, the week after Easter. I don't know if you are like me, uh, but Easter came and went, and you were like, what happened to Easter. Uh, if you were one of the 5,800 people that were uh, with us and celebrating Easter with us, uh, we had those Easter moments, right? And even if you weren't celebrating with us, you were uh, out of town at another church or just with your family, there are moments that you have with Easter that are just those moments, those moments that you want to stand still. As much as I try very hard, I always cry at Easter worship. It is moving and it's powerful, and that's what it's meant to be like, right? Uh, but then uh, you find yourself here a week after Easter. And for most of us, a week has happened. Amen. Uh, the alarm clock went off on Monday and bam, your schedule just resumed. Everything happened in a hurried and fast pace. Our routine kept going. We have allowed the hurry and the busy to happen, even in moments maybe right after worship, as you're going to lunch or brunch, all of a sudden the tomb was empty and you're off and you are going. And we lost those Easter moments. It's very possible for us to be in awe of that empty tomb, to celebrate the risen Lord on Sunday, but then wake up on Monday and assume our normal day to day. Easter has become lost. And today I want you to think about, have you lost Easter? Easter is meant to be lived out even a week after, even a year after. We are supposed to remember the empty tomb. And it isn't intentional that we forget Easter, that we lose Easter. It's easy to become lost because we compartmentalize our lives. Are you a checklist maker? We sit there and we, and, we, and we check everything off of our week. We did our swim lessons, check. We went grocery shopping, check. Uh, we went to school, check. Work, check. Dinner's done, check. That meeting you have been regretting, check right there. All of those things, our busy life, the hurry, the busy, all of those things on our checklist. How many of you found yourself saying this week, if I could just get through this this week, then everything will be good, right? If I could just get through that meeting, if I can just get through that awkward conversation I have to have, if I could just get through that time out that I sent my child to, everything will be better. How many of you found yourself to saying, hurry up, Friday. I am ready for the weekend, to be honest with you, I have said those things this week as I was writing this message about this topic. It becomes natural for us because this is our life. But why do we do this? Why do we allow for time to escape us? Why do we unintentionally wish our time away? Why do we become okay with the day to day? I say here today, and I wonder, is it our focus? Now, uh, how many of y'all remember playing with one of these uh, growing up? An empty paper towel roll? Nobody? Nobody? Uh, so funny story about this real quick. I've been thinking about this message for a while, uh, and this roll just kept kind of going down and down. And when we had about five sheets left, I'm like, 
saving this. I am saving this. But that was like two weeks ago. Have you ever tried to save like trash for two weeks? Um, you know, you have trash all around the house that you forget to throw away. But this thing, man, this thing has been intentional. Like, do not throw this away. So for two weeks, I've been like really making sure no one recycles this. I brought it to work and put it in a safe spot. I brought it in here this morning and I put it in a sound booth and I'm like, done. I made it. I have made it. Except for when I went back there earlier to get everything ready to go, could not find this paper towel roll. Uh, somebody threw it away. So <laughs> I dug in the trash and I found it because uh, you remember your childhood playing with trash. Why did we do this? Uh, we had toys all the time, but we played with trash because this thing could be anything you wanted to make it, right? It could be a baton. Uh, it could be a microphone. I'll spare you that. Uh, it could be all of the different things, but my favorite thing is when you made it a telescope. Did y'all ever do that? sitting there making it a telescope, all of a sudden, it's the greatest thing in the whole wide world. Uh, my four-year-old and I play with these all the time. Again, he has all the toys in the world, but when it comes to uh, the time for this to be empty, it is so fun. Uh, we play uh, I Spy with this thing. He'll look around, and it's so fun the first time he played with this for him to see that, wow, everything narrows down to what the circumference is of this viewpoint, Right? Everything narrows down. If you shut that eye, all you can see is what you can see through this hole. And it's a lot of fun when you play games, except he really got into it. And a lot of times I had to step in before he hit a wall or tripped over something because his perspective was just right here. Think about that. Because I think some of us live a telescope life. The problem is when we live our lives fully in a telescope, we are not able to experience the larger, bigger picture painted out for us. We search for answers with a narrow, narrow focus, and then we hit a wall or we trip because we've missed something greater in our lives. Are you living a telescope life? Are you missing the bigger picture? No, don't get me wrong, and please hear this today. There are times in our lives where we need to focus on one thing. We're in survival mode, and this is what needs to happen. This is our priority, the focus, the narrow focus in our lives. We need to do that. There is a time for that, but we can't stay there. It's important that we don't stay there because we were made for something greater, you, you were made for something greater. And that is what this series is all about. One of my favorite places in scripture can be found in Ecclesiastes 3. It tells us in verse 1, it starts right off and it says, There is a time for everything. There is a time for everything. I pulled a couple of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes 3. Verse 2 says, a time to plant and a time to uproot. How many of you are in those seasons, those new seasons where you're planting in hope for a harvest or time just to pick up and go somewhere else? May is the month of transition, high school graduations, college graduations, confirmation, a time to plant and a time to uproot. Verse 4 says, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I love that the Bible gives us permission to laugh because I think sometimes we miss that. 
Verse 6 says there's a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. How many of you are gleaning through all of your things and getting rid of what you don't need? There is a time for that. Verse 7 says a time to tear down and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. I need verse 7 on a pillow or somewhere to remind me there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. And verse 8 says a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. There is a time for everything, you guys. A time for everything. There's a time for focus, a time to focus on love, focus on keeping things, focus on war, or focus on peace. To be fair, we're given free will, right? So we can even take a time to be focusing on the negative things. A time to focus on the hurts and the frustration, the injustice, and the pain. But please hear that I believe that there's a time that we should focus on the narrow, but this may be the time where we need to focus on something greater. There is a time for us to focus on the here and now before us, but there's also a time for us to stop and recognize that you are living your greater life. And that is what this series is all about. It causes us to stop and to ask ourselves, what is your greater What is your greater? What does a greater life look like to you? And before you start thinking about what your greater life looks like, know that the person sitting next to you, and you may even be married to them, may have a different definition of what that looks like. We are all different, and our greater lives may look different. What greater thing are you missing out on in your life because of your narrow focus? Now, some of you may be sitting there right now going, you know what? I am living out my greater life. That is what I feel like, but not until this moment did I realize that. Not just your good enough life. Not the it's okay life. What is your greater? Much like anything in our lives, if we aren't careful in defining what our greater is and defining what our life looks like, society and this world will define it for us. Or may tell us, you know what? This is good enough right here. If we're not careful, we can believe that if you have this job, you are greater than if you're stuck with that job. If you own this, then you have made it. If your family looks like this, then it is greater than a family that looks like that. If you make this much money, you are greater. If you attend this school, you are greater. If you have these friends, you are greater. But the fact is that greater, that greater is focused about us and greater And living the greater life is not about us. Society tells us this, and this is as good as it gets right here. But scripture defines greater so much differently than society does. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 17. So if you brought your Bibles today, I want to invite you to turn to that. 
Greater is so much more than who we are. It's what Christ is doing for us and within us. And that is why I love this scripture. Paul is writing his letter to the people of Corinth, trying to set things straight, simplifying the true message that they complicated with idols and false teachings. I love this scripture because Paul causes us to once again be faced with the empty tomb, the legacy of the risen Lord, and the hope that comes with that empty tomb. Easter is not lost in this scripture. Hear this scripture now, starting with verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and is raised again. So from now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Hear these words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Do you fully grasp that what you are is plain to God? Your greater is not hidden from God. Verse 11 and verse 12 provide the clarity and focus for the church in Corinth and for us today. Hear these words again. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. As we complicate our lives, who we are and what we are is very plain to God, even though we complicate things so many times. I love this. Can you imagine what life would look like if we took pride in what was in our heart versus what is seen? Are you proud of what is in your heart. A greater life is one that is lived out to the heart, not what society expects to see, or what the world tells us is, it is the truth. Greater life is not about us. It's what's in our hearts. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised 
again. The scripture gives us the opportunity to either celebrate the fact that Christ's love controls our life and our choices today, to celebrate that, to own that, to say, this is who I am. We can say that we are living out the greater purpose for our life today. But it also gives us the opportunity to stop living for ourselves and believe that greater is out there. Christ's love is taking control over our lives and of our choices so that we can provide for the greater that we are called to live. Greater is hard to grasp. Greater is so backwards from anything else that this world tells us that greater is. Who in your life right now needs to hear this and practice this? Finally, Paul goes on to tell us in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, whether we recognized it or not, whether we understood it or not, last week, Easter, is a gift that reminds us that we are brand new people on the inside. We are given a new life daily, moment by moment, by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be the same person who makes mistakes and focuses on the negative anymore. You don't have to be that person anymore because you are new from the inside. I find that ironic because we spend a lot of time trying to look new from the outside, right? Wearing that new outfit, wearing the new makeup, doing your hair just a new way. We focus on the outside so much, but Christ is making us new on the inside. You are new. You are new from the inside. Easter is like a new year, an opportunity for us to live a new life, to make changes so that we can live a life worthy of the empty tomb. But now, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to live that life? I know a lot of you are like, yeah, this is a great feel-good message, Amanda. And Yeah, this is, sounds good. Their words are great. But what does this really mean? This message should feel good, but it should also challenge you. How can you live that new life, a new life from the inside? There are two words to focus on. Step back. This is how you can start living your new life. Step back. Now, how many of you guys have uh, that one family member that just self-proclaims themselves as a family photographer? Anybody? Uh, I do. Uh, and I did. My grandfather was the family photographer for everything that we did. Everything that we did. He was uh, always just obsessed with cameras and the new uh, innovative ways to take pictures. Uh, and looking back, I really regret the fact that most of my pictures were like this. Because over and over and over again, he just wanted to take our pictures. Uh, it didn't matter what holiday it was. It didn't matter what we were celebrating. Every time he wanted to capture those moments. I remember taking road trips with my grandfather, and he would see, like, landmark five miles ahead. And we would pull off five miles ahead, and we would take a picture, but not with a landmark, with the sign that talked about the landmark. All of our pictures, I can remember my, my brother and all of my cousins, we were just, all of us, that way. 
But I remember the day where my grandfather discovered a panoramic picture and the way to take panoramic pictures. Now, he didn't have an iPhone back then. Um, he had like a real legit camera that would take a real legit, you'd go to like get your film developed, panoramic pictures. Do y'all remember that? So then all of a sudden, our family gatherings uh, went from us being all squished up together. We had so much room. Uh, we could spread out and just be all in one big picture. He would have to step back to get us all in. He had to step back to make sure that he could get everyone in that picture. Have you ever tried to take a panoramic picture with your iPhone now? Um, you can do it, and it's fine, but it's a little awkward uh, with it. It kind of takes an advanced skill. You have to start here and work your way all the way around the room. And even then, you don't really capture everything there. Uh, it's really hard to capture what you're seeing, the full scope of everything in a panoramic picture. My husband and I had uh, the, the pleasure and the blessing of going on the journeys of Paul Cruz uh, this past September. And man, you could imagine everything in Rome and everything that we saw in Greece. There were so many opportunities where you just wanted to capture everything from here all the way to over here. And so we would try. We would set it up and, and we would start the picture here and then get here and realize, nope, I can't do it. And we'd have to take a step back. And then start again and start from here and try to go all the way back over and realize we have to take a step back. Maybe that's what we need to do in our lives too. Maybe we can't really capture everything because we're too focused on that narrow thing in our lives. A greater life is a balance of looking at the way the Lord has worked in our past celebrating the way the Lord has worked in our past, anticipating what the Lord will do in our future while trusting the Lord with our present. That is what a greater life looks like. And that is my prayer for you today. How has the Lord worked in your past? Take a moment and think about where you were then and where you are now. Back then, you may have been struggling with things. And you can celebrate now because your perspective is wider what the Lord has done in your life. Who you are is plain to God. For some of you, you can sit right where you are, living your greater life, knowing that you can celebrate those things that you have accomplished to getting you where you are today because you are freed from your past I pray that your anticipation of what the Lord will do in your future. The Lord is not done with you yet. I pray that you feel and believe that you were created for something greater. You are a child of God. And sometimes we let our busyness and our checklists and our hurries stop us from living that way. You are a child of God. You are created for so much greater. And today, I pray that you can trust the Lord with your present. All of us are living that different time that Ecclesiastes talks to us about, the good times and the not-so-good times. And all of us are here with different stories and different opportunities for us to say, thank you, Lord, or be with me, Lord, and both take trust. 
and both take time for us to sit and pause and know that somewhere around the corner is greater. Trust the Lord with the great, the good, and the good enough. You're present, you're present, you're present. A greater life is recognized over time and cannot be lived apart for the one who gave new life. Today, if you are sitting here and you can celebrate, because there's so many opportunities to celebrate living the greater life, I want to celebrate that with you, but I want to challenge you as well. There's somebody out there that needs to hear your story. There's somebody out there that needs to hear your journey from your past to your present and your hope for the future. Somebody needs to hear the panoramic and the greater parts of your story that you can confidently sit here today and say, I'm living it. I'm living that greater life, and I know it. And there's nothing to be ashamed of to say that or to feel like you're bragging to say that. But somebody needs to hear that. You cannot live that alone. And if you're sitting here today and you're lost and you have no idea what a greater life could even, even look like, I pray that you keep having hope, the hope that comes with the empty tomb, the hope that comes with the process of just taking a step back and gaining something greater. Will you please pray with me? Father, I'm thankful for each and every person in this room, for their story, for the future, for the past, and for the present. Lord, you call us to live a greater life, a life that is worth celebrating, not because of things that we've done, but because of things that you have done through us. Lord, we celebrate a week later the empty tomb, the hope that comes with that, the promise that comes with that, that we are not alone, that we are a child of God set apart for something so much greater than what we could even comprehend. For it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.